Yeah, so enough with the heat already. I'm done with it. I'm done. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're tomorrow of 27. Yeah. Mondays. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see it. It keeps changing. But we are going to... It figures it's going to be fantastic as soon as I go back to work on Tuesday. It'll be bloody fantastic. Yeah. 24 degrees. Yeah. Perfect. Degrees. Great. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Mother Nature. Yeah. Oh, my God. Episode 15. One five. Of TalkBots. TalkBots. What is that? X, XV? Yeah. Yeah. XV. X for all you Romans. What are we going to call it? Technology Roundup. Technology Roundup. We're going to talk about what's going on in technology today. This week. Because, well, not necessarily this week, just basically lately. Basically last night after dinner. Because there has been a lot of stuff that's gone down. I've got something not really technical that I read about two hours ago and I was like, uh oh, Las Vegas yeah. has put out a, an emergency warning saying that they have 50 days of clean water. Mm. That's it. I saw that coming. That's it. I know. 50 days. That's insane. Yeah. The largest forest fire in New Mexico's history yep. just happened. Right. So, what's happened is all the ash and fire shit has gone into the river and it can not be filtered. And that's where Las Ooh. Vegas gets most of its water from. Okay. So it is a matter of time. It'll fix It'll, itself. Well, uh, Assuming minus, the river doesn't dry up first. Minus the fact that, you know, Lake, um, Lake Mead has no water in it. Yeah. Right? But anyway, I just, I heard that and I was like, well, that's about the most dystopian thing you can ever get. Water wars. Like, pretty soon we're going to be setting up a fucking Thunderdome, dude. Yeah. We're going to be fighting for water. Some weird Australians are going to be flying airplanes. Trying to take our shit. And it's funny, you know, because um, <clears throat> while we're on the topic of water, Canadians think that we, you know, that we can look at what's happening in the States with regards to their water and laugh going, that could never happen here. Uh, because, you know, of all the freshwater lakes and shit that we have, what, what people neglect to mention is the fact that the freshwater lakes, for the most part, are not here next to where we live. They're hundreds, if not thousands of kilometers away. And although we seem to be really good at building pipelines... You gotta build one fast. <laughs> we, you know, we don't have any that are set up to just dip into the, you know, <laughs> closest freshwater lake and start distributing it to the rest of the province. We get our water in Calgary from a glacier, essentially, and snowmelt in the Rockies. And unfortunately, um, the glacier, which is what keeps the river flowing when the snow is all melted... Um, is shrinking very quickly. And they're saying we could run into some trouble. Maybe not in 30 days, but 30 years maybe. And of course, you know, like most other things, 
that are controlled by politics, no one's going to do a damn thing about it until it's a panic situation oh, of course. to do something yeah. about it. So um, if you're going to do a technology roundup in July 2022, um, you're really doing a disservice for your listeners uh, unless you talk about what happened um, on the 8th of July. Everyone who was a subscriber of oh. Rogers Telecommunications, their phones suddenly stopped working. And not just their phones, um, Fido customers as well, because they're basically using Rogers Network. And um, a whole bunch of um, services, specifically retail services, that were reliant um, on that network. Even though they're not cell phones, they were still making use of uh, the network that supports Rogers cell phone network. It was uh, it was a very strange day because people noticed their phones weren't working. Stores were saying you can't use debit at our store. You have to either pay cash or use a credit card, which kind of threw quite a few people for a loop. You know, most people thought it would be down for like an hour or two or five. And it was pretty much down for the entire day and into the evening. And for some people, into the next day. Yep. Before they got their phone service back. And that had a lot of people going, how does a cell phone company lose their network for a full day? When you and I talked about this a bit after last the last uh, episode, which made us decide to do this one, is I was like, well, Carl's going to talk about it, so Carl, <laughs> Carl can research it. Cause I, I would which be. I did. So I'd like to, uh, I'd like to know more. Roger's president's explanation to the public, I wrote it down and I quoted it for a friend of mine who's actually in networking at a large scale level. Mm-hmm. Telecom level? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say who he works for because that was part of the deal in getting him to say what he thought of the whole situation. But I basically said to this person, what they said was, quote, coding from the update that they did to their system deleted a routing filter that allowed for all possible routes to the Internet to pass through the routers, which flooded and overwhelmed the core network, causing it to stop processing Internet traffic altogether, unquote. And my friend said, Ah, so yes, that's got to be BGP. That's what I said last week. In my experience, there's only two things that can cause a massive outage like that, and they're DNS or BGP. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but DNS resolves host names to IP addresses, which is a needed step, but it doesn't tell your computer how to get to that IP. That's what BGP does, essentially... Each um, automated autonomous system uh, advertises the IPs it services, and those advertisements become routes. So traffic destined for your IP knows how to get there. DNS errors are usually widespread, but relatively easy to correct because you can usually still access your devices via their IP. But when BGP is screwed up and your IPs are no longer being advertised, then you're sunk because there's no way to route to your devices anymore to fix them. Now, here's the problem Roger's statement indicates to me. 
most AS owners allow other AS traffic to use their physical networks and vice versa. This is called peering. When you allow peering across your network, you have to be selective in who you do deals with. It's always cost-free, one of the few handshake deals left in the world, but you don't want your stuff to get overwhelmed with other people's traffic, so you filter out traffic from ASs that you don't want to allow access to your network. So it sounds like they deleted those filters, which essentially means they were an open peer and the entire world could use their network, which would certainly overwhelm any network. So that was uh, his quote. Uh, I, then, I then went on to read that things were so bad in their own core network that because the network wouldn't let anything through, it wouldn't even let their own technicians log in remotely to their machine, you know, the devices that were doing the routing till they stopped working because they were overwhelmed. So the only way the network could be physically fixed was to go to the physical places where those devices were and connect right to their port. Yep. It's funny, I'm sitting here quite prideful because that's exactly what I said what happened last week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't a DNS issue because if it was DNS, it would be much larger. Like, it would have been, it wouldn't have been Rogers. It would have been a whole segment of the internet. But now, of course, the question on my mind is, how the hell does a provider that operates their own core network like Rogers allow such a thing to occur? I mean, if a network inadvertently sabotaged their own core network's ability to operate with the right configuration, mm-hmm. how the hell does that actually happen? You know, it's so easy for it to happen. Like, it's easy to throw shade and say, oh, they didn't test properly, mm-hmm. they didn't QA mm-hmm. properly, blah, blah, blah. And they may not have. And if they didn't do that, well, then... Then they were lazy and they deserved to go down. Right, that's a big problem. Right. And that's an internal issue. Mm-hmm. But... I have personally tested QA'd uh, upgrades or um, additions or changes to core switches. Yep. And I made the live switch and no airplanes left the airport for a really long time. Because mm-hmm. I just fucked it up. Right. Humans fuck Right. Up. And I fucked it up bad. Right. And I, like in this situation, I had to run through the airport to get to the switch because <laughs> you couldn't there access was no it remotely getting, anymore. There was no getting to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how does it happen? There's a million reasons why. Right. Yeah. And sometimes anybody who has worked on large networks and has done big changes, and really, to be honest, anybody who's worked in IT and has done changes has fucked up, has a war story of like, whoops. Everybody does. It's just what happens. This one is just super visible. Right. So So. let me ask you a question because I'm not as familiar with the... I'm not as familiar with the operation of the backbones of, you know, the world's networks. 
there, the government was suggesting that what the providers need to do is have a contingency plan so that if something like this happens again, it would be possible to redirect users to someone else's network. And all I could think was, if they couldn't even get into their own devices mm. to fix the problem, right. how the hell are they going to reconfigure? Because they then said in the news, not three weeks later, people tried to switch and couldn't because whatever tells the cellular network, this end user is no longer a Rogers customer. They are now a Bell customer at that number. They couldn't even do the switch because of the problem with the network. Yep. So the government asking them to do that was essentially an impossible request. No. It, so, or is it? No, it's not impossible. There's nearly always a solution. Right. It's all about how many nines do you want? 99.999% right. uptime. Right. How many nines do you want? Right. And every nine you add yeah. is an exponential cost increase. Right. Right. And the more nines you are, the, the higher the exponent of cost there right. is. To prevent all things, it would cost billions of dollars. Right. And at the at the end of the day, Rogers the still pay for it. Right. At the end of the day, Rogers is still a private company. Mm -hmm. Even though they do facilitate life safety and there are laws that require that and yeah. they will be fined so hard and only because of that. Yes. The lack of the ability to do life safety. Right. But the de debit down and um, sells down. The government That's doesn't it. care. They shouldn't care. No. It's inconvenient. Right. It's a big deal. Yes. Like, of course they care, but... But Rogers has to pay penance for it on their own. That's right. Yeah. They're a private company. Yeah. So they should be able to decide. And there are there are contingencies in place for life safety, stuff like that. But it mm -hmm. failed too. But probably not everywhere. There were probably... Because you hear bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. I heard one story of somebody who couldn't call 911. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? Right. I tried like, calling 911 to tell my Big Mac didn't have enough sauce on it. Right. Couldn't exactly. get through. Exactly. Exactly. It's just because they didn't pick up, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, called display. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, It's really exciting. It's really exciting. And it was even more exciting because I'm not a Rogers customer, so the fucks I give her zero. Yeah. Right? And I mean, and that was I, inconvenienced, right. but it was amusing to see, ooh, how long is this going to go for? The exciting part was how it shut down the Stampede. Yeah. The Stampede was useless on its first yeah. day. Yeah. I think it was day one. Mm-hmm. And, uh... It certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting. Oh, man. Wild. It was crazy. Huh? And then it was over. And then Rogers said, well, yeah, that's... Sorry. I guess that really sucked, eh? So we're going to give you, like, uh, don't worry, we'll give you the day's costs back. And all I could think was, yeah, that's going to help the poor schmo that just lost an entire day's worth of work. Because their livelihood is completely reliant on their ability to phone people and take calls from people. Like a realtor or, you know, whatever. They would have been screwed and if you're in a if you were in a business where your customers are fickle and would drop you at the smallest sign of inconvenience 
well then, you know, you might have potentially lost dozens, if not hundreds, of potential customers. So yeah, when Rogers came out and said, yeah, we'll give you $5. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my God, I'm surprised there aren't people with tiki torches marching outside <laughs> Rogers headquarters right now going, oh, you're going to give us more than $5, you some bitch. <laughs> but yeah and then what did they end up doing they said they were going to give people like three days worth of their fees back or whatever in the end I have four five stories that I found that were interesting ooh <laughs> I'm not sure which one to tell first but the good news one then okay the company called the Ocean Cleanup yes cleaned up a hundred thousand they hit the milestone mm -hmm. of cleaning up 100,000 kilograms of plastic out mm -hmm. of the... Pacific? GPGP. Yep, yeah, the uh, Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Mm -hmm. That was really very exciting. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently it is one one-thousandth of the cleanup. Yeah. So they yeah. have a long way to go. Yes. But it's promising. They Now, is that the thing that that kid started? Yeah. Or is this... It is. Yeah, it is. The big floating doodad. Yeah. So it's still humming along. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's on its second iteration, and it's picked up... Yeah, it picked up far more than the first iteration, and they're working on the third now, and the third is anticipated to ten times, pick up ten times as much. Hmm. So they're just huge lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just... It passively picks things up using waves and current, and it just scoops it all up, which is just bonkers. Because I had thought originally when I heard it, I was like, okay, so it's picking up like big hunks of plastic, like just big pieces of shit. Mm -hmm. But the problem is microplastics. Yes. Apparently it's picking up microplastics as well. Good. Obviously, only to a certain size. Yes. But still... Still, yeah. and I thought that was absolutely very exciting. They're also working on a tool, a prevention mechanism tool, that is, a, that is um, intended to sit at the mouths of rivers, which is where all the garbage comes from. Mm -hmm. It's not like people dump it in the ocean, mm -hmm. it's in the rivers. Mm -hmm. So they're working on things to sit in front of river mouths to just catch it before it goes in. That's good. That's really exciting. Like, I've been hearing stories that even though um, a lot of um, organizations and companies and governments are mandating and even taking action upon themselves to mandate um, uh, compostable food containers mm -hmm. and yep. replacements for grocery bags, etc., 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 and packaging for, for stuff, that not everything that is touted as biodegradable and compostable truly is in all compost systems. Right. Uh, for example, I heard that um, there were some uh, compostable grocery bags that were banned from the system in the greater Vancouver area. Because the bags are indistinguishable from normal grocery bags in the sorting process. So they said, um, so that no regular plastic bags manage to find their way into the compost pile, they're not accepting 
any plastic bags into the compost pile, which is really unfortunate um, because it seems to me like the real easy logic solution to it's hard to distinguish one from the other is you fucking force the retail industry to make them completely different colors. Right. Like you should not be allowed... Standardize to, the color. Yeah, standardize it to be a green plastic and you're the only one allowed to use a green plastic or whatever the case may be. Yep. And then that would solve that problem. But um, yeah, uh, we really need to do more. The reduction of single-use plastic is uh, a really big deal. It is. Huge. Though, though it, it's good stuff. Like it's all good. Like getting rid of grocery bags or the uh, food... Uh, takeaway stuff like that mm-hmm. but the problems is, like is the plastic on cucumber the plastics used in food mm-hmm. is so so significant because there's just it just doesn't stop there's yes. just so much of it yeah like those uh little clam containers for all your strawberries mm-hmm. and shit like that like that's a lot of plastic yeah. all the time just stop it yeah figure out another solution mm-hmm. and if my strawberries have to go up in price, to have a more appropriate container, then so fucking be it. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, I don't know, like, anyone who's listening to this podcast who's, like, more than 35 or 40 years old must remember a time when you used to go to the grocery store and the strawberries were in a goddamn cardboard carton. Yep. That's it. Yep. They were in an open-topped cardboard carton and you just grabbed the carton and hoped it didn't spill before you got it home. That's right. And then all of a sudden, because they put plastic around everything else, they decided it was necessary to put plastic on it. I think it, what happened was the whole... Back when the ozone layer was the buzzword, right? Mm-hmm. When chlorofluorocarbons were mm-hmm. the big deal. Don't use fucking hairspray anymore, you yeah. idiots. Yeah, yeah. What got latched onto it is that we're using too many trees. We're using too much paper and the trees are running out. Mm-hmm. So they came up with new solutions. Right. Which was plastic. plastic. And that's what happened. And now we've come... Full circle. We're trying to come up full circle. Yeah. I, I really wish that we stopped only telling part of the story when it comes to alternative solutions because i mean i'll give you a good example of this i always had this image in my head well this is turning into an environmental episode rather than a technology episode but anyway it's it's all good i always had this image in my head that it was really too bad that we had to cut down perfectly good trees to make things like paper right little did i know nowadays None of our paper actually comes from the kind of trees you normally see in old growth forests right. or even medium growth forests right. that are cut down for their wood. Right. We do not cut those trees down and use them for paper. Nope. No. And, then I, and the only reason I know this is because on one of my road trips through the United States of America, I happened to pass down the Columbia River Gorge and then I crossed over into Oregon on the other side of the Columbia River and saw these endless groves of perfect trees lined up yeah. in perfect rows. Eerie. 
just eerie to look at. And I'm driving past this grove of trees, groves of trees, and I'm like, what in the sand blazes is that? And then, you know, I made a note of where we were and got to where we were going, and I looked it up, and forest in Umatilla, Oregon, or whatever, blah, 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 and found out that those are the trees they grow to make paper. Yep, paper, toilet paper, paper towel. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's cool. And it's a sustainable system they got going because for the, you know, yeah. all things, you know, uh, sustainable being a, you know, a, 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 a funny word. word. Yeah, very fluid <laughs> word. But yeah, they, they were basically, uh, the groves were in varying degrees of maturity mm -hmm. and you could tell which trees were going to be the next to go because they were at the end of the line. Um, and at the other end of the line were the young trees that had just been planted, you know, maybe five years ago or 10 years ago. And what was really interesting is that unlike a lot of other trees that take 30, 40, 50 years to mature, these trees apparently are fully grown in like eight to 10 years. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, uh, maybe now I don't need to feel so bad about our paper usage. Because number one, we are recycling a lot of our paper now. We're not just throwing it in the landfill anymore, which is great. And we are getting to reuse it for stuff. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that the paper is actually coming from trees that are expressly grown just for that purpose yeah. in a giant goddamn farm. And it's super neat. So that was kind of neat. And something that I don't think most people even are aware of. Mm. What was the next story? Oh, this one's fucking... Super cool. Mm. Super cool. DeepMind, the AI group, mm -hmm. um, developed a piece of software called um, AlphaFold, mm -hmm. which has deciphered the structure of nearly all of the proteins that are known to science. So how the proteins are put together. Not just identifying that they exist, mm -hmm. but how they're put together. And the importance to that is, is that we as apes mm -hmm. have, haven't done that. We've only done a tiny amount of them. Like 20,000, I think, is what we've worked out mm -hmm. ever since figuring out. And this one has figured out 200 million of them. Okay. So 200 million is like there are uh, protein structures that do a million, like do the same sort of thing, right? Proteins like is what keeps the machinery of all living things. Amino acids, man. Yeah. Yeah, amino acids. Your DNA tells the protein what to build or what to do. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool stuff. The two really exciting examples that I latched onto, which is the the medical aspect. Mm -hmm. And there is a um, university that is looking at a, like a malaria parasite protein. So now that we know how that protein is built, mm -hmm. you know how to take it apart. You know how to kill that protein. Mm -hmm. So if you get this parasite, this malaria parasite, mm -hmm. in theory, or in time, not theory, in time, we will have the technology to kill it. To nice. just get rid of it. So that's really exciting. And the other one is that the, the university... Uh, Portmouth is working on enzymes um, that will be used to uh, break down plastics. Nice. And these proteins have 
are being utilized in that. Right. And the coolest part of it is is that it's all open information. Hmm. It's not being sold. Yep. It's for anyone to to use. use. How fucking cool is that? Yeah. So right. someday we could literally compost our own plastics. Yep. Deconstruct them back into their Yep. Root. Like they used like you, like you used to do with lye on your outhouse. Right. Now you do it on your plastic. Right. Just beep, 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 yeah. Beep. Yeah, man. That'd be cool. So wild. Yeah. And like diseases and just like knowing how how the building blocks of life are put together mm-hmm. is just it's crazy. It's a crazy amount of information and even people who really know what this is all about can't quite grasp the significance of it yet. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It is they said huge. They're really excited because they can't fucking think of all the things that they're going to be able to right. do. All the things. Yeah. When it comes to... And a big driver is the medicine. And it is an exciting thing about the uh, getting back to the plastics because human beings have spent the last two or three decades trying to figure out, okay, so if we can't... R- if we can't get rid of the plastics, how can we reuse the plastics? And the problem is because there are so many different kinds of plastics, it's not like glass where you can just throw the, throw it in a pile. And by the way, you can't even do that with glass because clear glass can be used in very specific ways. Colored glass can't right. and has to be used in specifically other different ways. Right. And the same thing is true for plastics. There are different kinds of plastics, and some of them can be reused quite easily, and some of them cannot. That's the single-use plastic problem, is exactly. that most of them can't be. Exactly. <laughs> and um, there have been a lot of companies that have tried to find ways to grind them, grind it down and try to use it for something. And some companies have been uh, mildly successful, it's just that no one's interested in scaling it up. Uh, there is an outfit in Africa that was taking waste plastic and turning it into building yep, uh, bricks. Yeah, I remember that. There was another company that was trying to turn it into uh, paving stones for, yep. you know, to replace concrete, which is also environmentally unfriendly in the first place. And that never went anywhere. Um, there's a few companies that sell the stuff, but good luck finding any. Because it's just not, it's a very niche um, market. And so it's obvious that there is no, there can't be any retail benefit to recycling those weird ass plastics. Because if there was, we would be doing it by now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, here's for those protein solutions actually coming uh, to fruition because because i've heard about i've heard about the solution the the proposed solution of uh enzymes or parasites Mm -hmm. that are intended to break down uh plastic that's Mm -hmm. their job Mm -hmm. they've been working on it for a long time Mm -hmm. apparently this is really pushed it forward which is really cool yeah which is really exciting next story the big bill that just passed in the U.S. about semiconductors, yeah. man. Like, yeah. this could be a really, really big deal. Yes. So, semiconductors, as everybody has heard um, anecdotally or just in passing, that 
there are no chips. You can't put them in cars. Not and enough to go around. Not enough chips. Not enough chips. Yep. Semiconductors is the problem. Mm-hmm. And they all come from China because... Cheap. Mid, cheap. Many moons ago, um, North America decided to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the rare earth materials that are required come are from the fuck China. over there. Yep. Yep. So it was just, it made more sense. Yeah. And so the great old made in the USA abandoned that yeah. solution. And and now with COVID, which obviously brought down production, mm-hmm. supply chain, which then really brought it down, and availability uh, of materials, which was happening before the pandemic, mm-hmm. has is really caused... Uh, significant issues from everything from new cars to computers to fucking Alexas to mm-hmm. anything. So um, the U.S. just passed a bill to subsidize the semiconductor industry in the United States, providing $8 billion over 10 years and $200 billion over the same amount of time for research and development. Holy That's great. Holy shit. Yeah. So they're going to start kicking out manufacturing again. Um, that doesn't answer all the questions where the, all this shit going to come from, right? Are you still going to have to buy it from the Chinese mm-hmm. who are probably not going to be super stoked? But who knows? Yeah. But but the R&D part is probably where the, um, the real exciting bits are going to come from is having to change because you're running out of fucking... Cobalt's hard to get. Mm-hmm. Now, cobalt... It doesn't come from China, but... um. What's going to be very interesting about that development is there are going to be certain elements of of various industries that are going to embrace that change. And I think the biggest one will be the automobile industry. Sure. All of the North American companies are going, yay, right now. Yeah. Mind you, you know, it still takes time to build those plants. Yep. To start producing those semiconductor uh, integrated circuits. Yeah, because it's not an it's not a yeah. You just, just don't turn it on in two months kind no, of man, deal. They're clean, they're clean um, buildings. But where I see a little bit of a political conundrum happening is when the apples of the world go. Oh, that's that's wonderful. We're still buying our shit from China. Right. Thank you very much. And the Teslas of the world might turn around and say, oh, that's great, but because you're going to put conditions on how we make semiconductors as to whether or not we get the money, mm-hmm. fuck you, we're still going to do it in Germany and China. Yep. Um, so there are going to be industries and companies in, the, in North America that will take advantage of that. But there will also be companies that will inexplicably not take advantage of that. Right. right. Because they're more interested in the bottom line. Sure. Which is remediated potentially by tariffs and shit like that. Potentially. And that's why I'm more excited about the $200 billion for research in R&D. and development. Yeah, right? for sure. Because that'll drive, that'll drive the price down. Mm-hmm. Because you'll just learn how to do things better. The other thing that also got announced uh, almost on the same page as that Mm -hmm. is the fact that uh, when they were negotiating that bill that included the the money for uh, 
native uh, chip manufacturing in the United States. Um, they also wanted to um, only continue forward with credits and incentives for electric vehicles produced in the United States. Oh, wow. And Canada was like, hold up, y'all. <laughs> um, we'd like to be included in that because, you know, we're going to be like retooling some of our own manufacturing uh, facilities to build EVs. And, you know, kind of like, fuck you, if you're not going to be giving any tax credits to somebody who buys an electric Honda from the Honda plant in Alliston, Ontario. Um, and thankfully, uh, the one person who was the holdout uh, to allow that to happen actually uh, re reneged and said, OK, fine, cool. let's let's make it so that any company in North America is eligible to be a producer of EVs that will also uh, uh, be uh, be uh, eligible for tax credits and whatnot by the yeah. federal government. Cool. So the Canadian auto manufacturers cheered at that announcement. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting. And it, it actually bodes well for everybody because what will end up happening is that the Canadian government and the provincial governments will now pressured be now. <laughs> pressured into doing into offering incentives as well. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they'll start looking south of the border and going, hey, why, why the fuck do, can I go to the States and buy a EV for 30 grand, but I can't do it here? Right. So, yeah, yeah that's really neat. It is very good news. Well, it's exciting. Did you have any other stories? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Federal Trade Commission is suing to block the purchase of a VR company named Within by Meta. Meta being... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buying Facebook. Yeah. Stating that there needs to be more protections for consumers when it comes to bleeding-edge technology that doesn't exist today because things just are moving too quickly. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the notion is that it's along... Like antitrust laws. They think that it breaks an antitrust law mm -hmm. because Meta is not competing with Within. They're just buying them, which means... And Within, I guess, is a huge player right. in that industry. And they'll just now disappear and will only be Meta. And the, the FTC is like, well, wait, the fuck? Oh, no. Now there's no competition? Like, we can't... That's not okay. Right. Now, the interesting part of that is, like, blah, 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 anti, uh, antitrust laws, blah, 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 boring as fuck. But the interesting part is, is that this is the whole point of the meta rebrand, was this move to VR and augmented reality. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of the metaverse. That's right. And this is blocking that. Hmm. That's fucking crazy. Now, will it actually stop the the purchase of who knows right but what it does show is the ftc is now going to stand up against big tech that's what that's what they uh, the people who are in the know are like this is this is something important because before it was just shit moved too fast mm -hmm. which we all are aware of like it's hard to keep up with technology and they just things just happened but them standing in the way of the, this behemoth and going, no, 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 no. That's not going to be good for consumers. Mm -hmm. That statement itself could, 
like Zuckerberg has spent billions of dollars mm-hmm. to work towards this mm-hmm. VR and augmented thing. Yeah. And now it's stopped. Yeah. That's really neat. It's definitely neat. It's definitely unusual that mm-hmm. the government would step in this early in the game because one of the things that I've always been critical of governments in general is that they move at the speed of maybe. Yeah. They just are not in the habit of reacting to uh, the, change, the, the pace of change in technology, which is just mind-bogglingly fast. Right. <laughs> and yeah, like I've never had a lot of faith that governments had the willpower, the desire, the motivation, or the skill necessary to get involved or the agility or the yeah the agility especially um european governments yeah they have a tendency to move a little bit faster uh one of the things that they did which i found really surprising and and i'm actually i think is a great idea and will eventually trickle down to uh north american consumers as well is um when Apple introduced their own proprietary uh, connector on their phones, the lightning connector, yep. the European Union went, oh, okay, fuck this. Yeah. It's, okay, stop. Like, first of all, we had enough shit to deal with when, you know, we couldn't decide whether it was going to be USB-A, USB-B, USB-C, fucking micro-USB. Like, fucking, st- now you're going to have your own proprietary connector? No. How about no? Everyone get together like a bunch of adults, and pick a goddamn standard, and that's what it's going to be. And then everybody was kind of like... Rrr, rrr, rrr. Oh, and they all got together, and they all went, all right, then fine, it's going to be USB-C. Yeah. We will all switch to USB-C. And sorry, we can't do this overnight. <laughs> <laughs> but we will get to it, and, and in fact, they have. And sure enough, I mean, you can sort of see it happening in slow motion in the North American Apple ecosystem because now all iPads have USB-C connectors. Really? Oh, yeah. That's Phones so don't. The oh, problem okay. is there's a lot more phones right. in the, in, you know, out in the wild than there are iPads. So uh, same with MacBooks, uh, Chromebooks. They're all, they're all USB-C. Um, so, you know, good on Europe to stand up to the tech giants and say, no, right. like, enough fuck, is enough. enough is enough. Like, you know, so I should not waste. have to go to an Apple store to buy a goddamn cable for my Apple product. And, and I should be able to go to an Apple store to buy a cable for my anything else product. It'll be interesting to see whether they do accomplish anything with this intervention, uh, because they are going up against quite the uh, adversary. Right. In deep pockets. Oh yeah, you better freaking believe it. Yeah, yeah. and those. And after a while, politicians may get uh, gun shy and just go, "Well, okay, uh, well, all right. How about a compromise?" Right. You know, and then. There'll be a watered-down protection that claims to protect consumers when it really doesn't do anything. No. And uh, Zuckerberg will get his way. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, uh, I just like It's the encouraging notion. that at least they're giving it a try. And I, the part that made me interested was 
that this is halting the potential of this entire yeah. rebrand yeah. of this giant company. Yeah. Which is really exciting. Because fuck Facebook. You know what's really funny in the meta ecosystem mm. is what hap- what's been happening in the last week with Instagram. Oh, the... Uh... With the Kardashians. Oh, don't know. Oh, you haven't heard about this? No. So Instagram is trying to become a TikTok clone. Yes. Right. Right? I heard... Yeah, I heard this from 10,000 they're, they're, okay. they're less interested in being the, the, the photo sharing service, and they're more interested in being the everything sharing f- uh, service. But, you know, nothing sells... Nothing draw, draws eyeballs to screens more than funny videos or yeah. interesting videos. And Meta wants a piece of that pie. So they basically made an announcement in the last two weeks that they were going to be completely reprioritizing the kind of content that gets pushed to you in your Instagram feed. And the Kardashians lost their minds. <laughs> literally lost their minds and, and went public saying, this this will not do. And I I honestly thought the people at Instagram, who are the people at Meta, behind the scenes, were just going to go, whatever. But they didn't. No, they didn't. They actually backed off. Yeah, they pulled it out. They backed off. Yeah. They backed that. off. I heard that. I didn't hear the part about the Kardashians. I didn't know that they were the... They were the, 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 the pointy end of that stick. Crazy. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I'm not entertaining. You can't do this. Picks are our brand. That's it, yeah. You won't like, be getting videos from us. No, I'm... That's too most, much work. Yeah, I'm the most vapid creature there is. I can't be entertaining. <laughs> Here, I'll do a picture of my tits. Here. Oh my God! That's crazy. It was. I couldn't believe it when I read the when I read the article. It was like, they actually did it. Wow. Unless it was just a diversionary tactic. Okay. Yeah. This is step. Are they looking? Are they still looking? Exactly. This is step two of five. Uh, What else you got? One more. All right. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Okay. Terror. From above. It's coming, and there's nothing we can do. All you can do is be afraid. Guess what? Another Chinese rocket is falling from the sky, and they don't know where it's going to land. Happened, I don't know, what was it, two years ago or whatever? Just a giant part of the vehicle was just drifting in, and the Chinese were just like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Right. It's just going to fall to earth, and that's what it's going to happen. And it probably won't hit us, so we don't yeah. give a shit. Or even if it does. Right. What, whatever. We're mostly desert, so yeah. it's all good. <laughs> exactly. So they didn't figure out what, how it was going to re... How or where it was going to re-enter the atmosphere. Right. And now the same thing with this giant thing. And it is giant. It's so big that it will not all burn up. Right. There will be pieces that hit the ground. Right. And they got no idea where it's going to land. Nice. So, um, so we have uh, we can look forward to Chinese rocket fragments starting forest fires in BC. Exactly, smoke all summer. Exactly, nice. Depending on when this podcast episode comes out and when you listen to it, is that it's supposed to fall this weekend? 
So oh, by nice. the time anybody hears it, right, maybe we'll already be dead. We'll already be dead. Right. It'll all be over. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if you did, you watch. <laughs> Just as an example of why it doesn't surprise me is that were you watching that? Uh, it's not funny, but I'm laughing. Uh, the performance in Hong Kong or whatever with those those dancers and a giant TV screen that weighs hundreds of pounds yeah. fell on a performer and just squished no. them like a bug. No. Wow. And why I bring it up is because people in the country were petitioning like the government to be like, like enough. People are fucking dying. We need more we need more safety and shit like that. And they're like, eh, everything will be fine. And then this dude gets squished. And so that is why the thing floating in space doesn't surprise me. Right. It's just going right. to, fuck it. It's it's just a slightly <laughs> bigger version of yeah, an accident. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Hello, this is the official Chinese news. Uh, if you happen to be facing east right now, please turn around in the opposite direction. Thank you. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah. Good night. Bitcoin. Let's talk about that for a hot second. Sure. Most people have a pretty, you know, basic understanding of what Bitcoin is. But Bitcoin specifically or crypto? Uh, Bitcoin. Okay. Um, because crypto is a, is a much broader uh, subject. Crypto can be used not just for currency. It can be used for all sorts of things. Bitcoin is having a bit of a problem right now uh, because of the fact that it is so volatile. It is such a speculative currency yep. that it's suffering huge uh, changes in value. I mean, you know, usually in, an, in, a, in a normal evolution of a system like Bitcoin, you would expect it to just continue to increase in value. When you say system like Bitcoin, sorry to interrupt, system like Bitcoin, do you mean like currency? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where, okay. you know, the the value of a Bitcoin is directly proportional if you keep the speculative part of the currency out of the equation. Bitcoin's value is directly proportional to how much more formulas can you mine. The harder it gets to mine more data to support the Bitcoin system, the more it it increases in value. Right. It's just, you know, it's like saying if you're going to sell gasoline at a store, the harder it is to find the ingredients to make the gasoline, the more expensive it's going to be. Exactly what it is. The problem now is that it's no longer just about the rarity of the new thing that the Bitcoin mining computers have to create that's affecting the value of Bitcoin. Now it's a speculative influence that's having huge impacts on its value to the point where what I thought was kind of interesting, Tesla sold off 75% of their Bitcoin stockpile. I mean, if that doesn't send a message, 
you know, after Elon Musk, of all people, was the one who said, you know, all you doubters, right. all you haters out there, yeah. this is the future. And then they go and sell 75% of their Bitcoin. That that speaks volumes. I suppose it does, except for the fact that Elon Musk is a scumbag fuck, right? Who manipulates the markets for his own benefit. If it was another company that was huge that sold off... But it's not off, so just him. No. Yeah. I guess knowing what we know now about Elon Musk and his behavior, the fact that Tesla as an organization sold off a huge chunk of that mm -hmm. makes me go, okay, what's next? What's step two to this fucking storyline? But anyway, mm. regardless, mm. they've dumped a huge amount of this, mm -hmm. of, uh, of this currency, mm -hmm. which is weird. I, I mean, I don't know. You know... It seems to me, the layperson, that Bitcoin, people need to stop thinking about Bitcoin as a potential replacement currency for the dollar and start thinking about Bitcoin for what it truly is, a virtual kind of real estate, a virtual mutual fund. Okay. You can invest in it while it's down and hope it goes up, and it probably will. If you stick it out, yeah, over a long enough over period. a long enough period of time, mm -hmm. but don't be surprised when you're hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin that you paid seventy five thousand dollars for two and a half years ago or a year ago suddenly loses three quarters of its value because it's gonna fucking happen. Yep, it's that volatile. And anybody that says that this would be a great replacement for regular currency, like a certain politician in Canada who, who shall remain unnamed right now, they're, they're on glue if they think it's going to be the, the de facto ev eventual replacement for currency. Hmm. Because it just can't. Until they regulate it. Which is the whole point of, of Bitcoin. Right. It's, it's so unregulated. It's unregulatable. Yeah. Which is no longer the case, but yeah, it is regulated. But. So invest in real estate. Right. So the story is treat Bitcoin like real estate. Yeah. If you want to. I stopped being, I stopped watching Bitcoin, like the ups and downs of it after the last explosion of value. Mm -hmm. um, I worked Where with... Where it hit like 90 some thousand dollars. A, a coin. Yeah. yeah. Per coin. Yeah. It can only be beaten in volatility by non-fungible tokens. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. The most confusing, like, ridiculous thing mm -hmm. ever. But, you know, it's an expected thing, though. And, and this, is, this is the most amazing thing about investing in economics that I learned after the big, the last big crash. Mm -hmm. when they went and talked to the hedge fund managers and said, what, what the hell, guys? Like, what was the impetus behind all of this? They said, our investors were running out of things to invest in. Hmm. You can't buy the same piece of property twice. Right. If you own it, no one else can own it. If, if you... Own a mortgage, that's it. You can't own it again in a different way. So we found a way that you could. We found a way 
if enough people in North America, but especially the United States, they said, when you look at the number of people that actually qualify for a mortgage in the United States back in the day, the rules were fairly tough, not as tough as Canada, thank God, otherwise we would have had the same problem, but tough enough that people who could never reliably pay their mortgage payments could not qualify for a mortgage. Right. And then suddenly they could, thanks to subprime mortgages. And the only reason subprime mortgages were created was because investment houses and banks needed another kind of investment to be invested in. No one is going to buy a subprime mortgage because they know the risk of whether that mortgage will ever get paid back is much lower than a regular mortgage. So they cheated. They wrapped them up in like a package, no different than, you know, the box of fucking little mini cereals that you buy at the grocery store that's like, you know, a box of Fruit Loops and a box of Sugar Frosted Flakes and the rest of the cereal in there is fucking garbage. It's, you know, mm -hmm. all bran and good corn mm -hmm. pops and corn flakes, right? Mm -hmm. But you bought it for the Fruit Loops and the and the and what you know your your two favorite cereals, and then you got four shit cereals along for the ride. Mm, but because flakes. the box was such a cheap buy, mm -hmm. it seemed like a good deal. And that's exactly what they did with some prime mortgages. They took a cup. They took a few good mortgages that had low risk, because those people actually qualified, the way you would want people to qualify before you give them a shitload of money for a house. Mm -hmm. And then they tacked a whole bunch of crappy mortgages in, and they just wrapped it up in a big bow and said, "Here, here's something new to invest in." And then, well, well, what are we kind of investing in here? Well, you're not investing in like individual mortgages. You're investing in packages of mortgages. Well, what's inside? Well, don't, don't worry about what's inside. So it's like an EFT of mortgages. Yeah. Okay. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what they didn't bank on, they always knew there was a risk that a certain percentage of what was in the package would fail. Right. But all that would do is, do, is slightly deflate the overall value of the package. Of that package. Right. Because okay. most of those mortgages that were in the package would still be earning regular payments. Okay. So it was, you know, if you were lucky, you only had one or two mortgages in the package default. And, you know, there were uh, investors that thought, oh, you know, the rules for who qualifies for a mortgage and who doesn't are way too tough anyway. Like, there's a whole schwackload of people that if you just gave them the damn money to buy a house, they're good. They're good, but they weren't. Right. And at first, everybody had high confidence in these new investment opportunities, and they were buying them up like crazy. And of course, what happens to something that gets bought up like crazy? Everybody fucking wants them, because why is everybody buying these fucking things? I want to buy these things too. Oh, fuck, give me some of these things. And then the value starts to go up, and, you know, next thing you know, boom, the people who bought early are making like, out like bandits, because now what they bought at, you know, $10 a, a pop or a share are now worth 20, 30 bucks a share. And that's how they were getting traded on the stock market. They were getting traded as shares, not as individual mortgages. Mm -hmm. 
And then suddenly when somebody saw cracks in the armor and said, well, wait a second here, this is really just fucking smoke and mirrors. And then they took closer looks at it and, you know, people started making audacious predictions that this was just going to fucking crash and burn uh, the minute the number of people that defaulted on their mortgages reached a certain threshold, that would be it. It would just be like... House of Cards. Yeah, the House of Cards would just come tumbling down. Everybody's like, shut the fuck up. We're doing great here. And then a whole bunch of defaults came. And that threshold was hit. And that threshold was hit. And the whole House of Cards came crashing down. And what did the government do? They went, aww, you guys... Instead of going, fuck you all. You made this mess. You clean it up. And then, you know, a bunch of big-ass investment houses going, but if we fail, the economy will go shit. And governments went, ooh, shit. Well, economy. can't have that. Right. I don't know what that means. But I don't know what economy. that means, but God damn it. Right. Better save these motherfuckers. Better save that economy thing. Yep. Better make it grow. So, you know. Wow. They bailed them out and... Yeah, I didn't know that. The people who made the decisions made a big deal about, well, we did a bad thing, so we're going to leave now. Yeah. Give me my give me my golden handshake. Yeah. Which is going to be paid for by government bailout money. Scumbags. Have a good one. I'm off to the Bahamas. It's been a slice. Fucking ass. Pay your mortgage. Or don't. I don't care. Or don't. I'm Fuck out. It. I'm out. <laughs> I was let go. So, yeah, this is just... Like it's as I'm, exciting. I'm forgetting what the closet. linkage of this story was, yeah. which is the reason subprime mortgages sold as packages, bigger packages of mortgages, is because investors said, "What else can I invest in? I want to invest in something else. What else have you I got want to make more money?" Yeah. Okay. So it was like going to Walmart, and the shelves are fucking bare, and they got, I need to buy some shit, right. but we're out. But I need to buy something. All right. Well, fuck. Here's some garbage. Right. Great. I'll buy that. Any more? Right. Yeah, there's a whole shitload in the back. Help yourself. Or actually, hang on. We'll stock the shelves with it well, and we'll sell you, that to you. Yeah, we'll do, you go put them in own. nice shiny green bags and sell it to you for five bucks a okay, pop. You're lucky. Back, go find there might be a half own. a sandwich yeah. in there. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mind it yourself. Uh, it's the same thing again with, with NFTs and to a certain degree Bitcoin. You've got all these hungry investors going, what else can I buy? Right. To potentially make money on because everything eventually goes up in value mm -hmm. it's a just it's just the way it works um, and the less of something there is the more it goes up in value so let's buy up all the things until there's less of it and then what I do have is now really valuable and now I'm a genius so non-fungible tokens <laughs> yeah why not why not let's do it Oh, Buy it now while you can, because, you know, five years down the road, you'd be lucky to get one for $500. You're not going to find a monkey picture or again, Or even $5,000. So get in while the getting's good. Yeah, it's it's all about more things to invest in, except now the things aren't even real. real. That's the bizarre thing, which, when you think about it, it totally makes sense why Meta wants to do what Meta wants to do. Because the minute you're spending half of your life in a goddamn simulation, the shit you're going to buy isn't real. It's like The Sims on steroids. Yeah, Second Life. Remember Second Life? Yeah. yeah. 
it's this is what Second Life was always intended and, and to be. And that's what he's picturing. He's picturing mm-hmm. that people are going to spend all their disposable income mm-hmm. on a virtual life because their real life is shit. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. It's just TV 3.0. Yep. Is what it is. Yep. It's TV 3.0. It now absolutely. you're the star. You want to be the Hulk? You're now the Hulk. You gotta buy that skin. Gotta buy the skin. Gotta buy the steroids. Gotta get the science. Yep. Gotta set up the lab. Yeah. That's fucking depressing, man. That was the piece. I had uh, written that down in my notes. Uh, The the parallel. uh, Well, the example of it being like Second Life. But Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people remember or know what second life is there's probably a few but i don't have second a, Life was a weird thing it was and i don't have a lot of knowledge about it but i do remember what little of it that i did read about it seemed like it's, like, it's exactly what we explained yeah it's exactly it what just, we explained the technology to make it possible wasn't refined enough no i mean i know sims is still a big deal there's whole communities that are addicted to the sims and of course, what is what is the reason The Sims still exists is because now it's all about the selling the extras. Microtransactions. Yeah, microtransactions. Yeah. Um, and they were smart about it too. They made things pretty cheap. You could add a whole bunch of functionality to your existence in that virtual environment. Yep. Just spending a little bit of money. But what you didn't realize is you already spent a shitload of money getting the game. <laughs> and now they're just kind of like, you know, it's no different than the fucking bullshit that BMW is pulling now. Yeah. This is oh, you want the too. heated seats? That's going to cost you 20 bucks a month. That Sims thing, um, I have firsthand experience with that. Mm. Uh, and it was through World of Warcraft. Right. Is that World of Warcraft was a game you have to buy. Yep. And then there it is end a monthly subscription. Right. And then there are Things the you can extras buy. you can buy. Yeah. And I bought. Oh, yeah. I bought a lot of things that aren't real. Right. I am why these things are going to exist. I own a lot of things that um, I had true pride of having Mm -hmm. because they were rare or very expensive Mm -hmm. or just or whatever that's how the world is going to be and now most video games are like that now and there's a backlash now inside of the community of people who play video games going all right fuck off with all that nonsense we're tired of microtransactions. Quit trying to screw us. Right. It, and they call it uh, pay to win. That's the, what they right. hate, right? Is the right. pay to win. Right. Is that... Y- yeah. Y- uh, I, I would much rather... Like, if, if it's necessary... If the only way for you guys to make money from this is to charge me an extra 20 or 30 bucks up front, fine, I'll pay it. Because you're not getting any more money out of this mm-hmm. unless you come up with a brand new version of this that is like 10 times better than what you just sold me. Right. Or it, adds such a huge amount yeah, that to it's the game. Worth like the, it's an addition thing. to the game. Yeah. It's not like the color of your airplane yeah. or 
right? Exactly. Your ability to land at this airport. Exactly. Shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally, I agree. Um, Blizzard released um, a game recently called Diablo Immortal, which um, was supposed to come out on mobile mm-hmm. and only mobile. And they decided to put it on uh, PCs because all the big Diablo fans, myself included, were just mortified at the idea that this franchise is going to be on a fucking cell phone. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, they released it, and it's just a huge gong show uh, because it's all microtransaction-based. It is it is a free-to-play game. Mm-hmm. So, And free-to-play means that you can just download it and you can play it. But to get, let's say, a sword, you know, the Bananarama sword, I would have to play for a thousand hours and I would get it. Right. Or, at a certain point, you're just like, okay, this is stupid. Or I can pay $20. Yeah, I'll just buy the goddamn sword. Right. Yeah. And that's what the whole, the whole premise is. And, and it becomes an addiction because the wins you get from having the sword... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just makes more dopamine. Oh, and yeah, more, and more, it more, just more. goes, oh, I need to win some more. Oh, yep. I just have to buy the chariot? Well, fuck it. Yep. How, how much can it be? Oh, 50 bucks? <sighs> yeah, but think of all the time I'll save. Right. 50 bucks. Level up. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Yep. Mobile games are mobile games are where it started. They're all dicks. <laughs> all mobile games are dicks. They're awful. Yeah. Yeah, free-to-play is a terrible thing, and and that's... I hadn't really given a lot of thought to what meta really means, but you have opened my eyes to exactly what it is, and it is that. Like I had, like I said, I had written it down how it's, it is second life, but I didn't really give much thought to what that really means. Yeah. And the fact is, is that people will buy... You want to be the Hulk? Yeah. All you have to do is buy the skin. Right, right. And um, and that will be your whole life. And you'll be able to... Augmented reality isn't... For those who don't under, know the difference, virtual reality is when you're sitting in a room and you put on your headset and your uh, headphones and you are immersed in a virtual world. Augmented reality is when you are potentially walking around and you're interfacing with the real world but you can also do virtual things. Like, think of it as your cell phone in a pair of glasses. So you can be riding on the train and somebody phones you and their picture shows up on your, in your vision. And you can, you can literally take your hand and click into air and a menu will come down or whatever. That's augmented reality. And uh, like I was saying, Carl has opened my eyes to what Meta wants to do. And it wants everybody to walk around with some device and know who else is on Meta and size up each other's dicks to who's got a cooler augmented life. Because I will see your augmented life. You will see my augmented life. Mm-hmm. And I will see that you have more, and I want it, so all I have to do is reach out, press the menu button, buy that hat. Mm-hmm. And now I'm walking around with a fucking big pink cowboy hat, which doesn't exist. 
I knew we were eventually going to see a paradigm shift in what games were going to make possible for human beings when Postal came out. Okay. Because prior to Postal, all the video games that had to do with killing things mm -hmm. were all good against evil yep. or evil against good. You were either a bad guy going after good people or most of the time good people yeah. going after creatures, okay. baddies, criminals, yep. monsters, aliens, whatever. Yep. And then suddenly comes this game where you're just a postal worker who decides to bring a bunch of weapons to work and just kill anything that moves. And there were a few people out there in the world that went, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. But the majority of people kind of went, oh, relax. It's a goddamn video game. Mm -hmm. And then things kind of like, you know, equalized and we got acclimatized to that kind of game. And then it kind of got taken up a notch with gang. GTA. Yeah, GTA, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto took it up another notch because now it wasn't just you, the postal worker, killing all the people at work. It was you, the rogue human, going around uh, killing anything that moved at your discretion for no reason. Just to say that you did it. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you got like tanks chasing you and shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it just, it, it, it was... It, it was um, comical in its gratuitous, violent gratuity, uh, gratuitousness. What I think is going to be really interesting is to see how long that kind of thing manifests itself in a meta-universe. Where you're going to see people on the train or the bus playing their meta-game or interacting in their meta-universe. And they're like, you know, pretending like they're killing the people in the bus. They're not really killing the people in the bus, but they want to kill the people in the bus. Mm. So they're doing it through their meta augmented reality interface. Right. And all they see is a bunch of people, you know, blown getting their heads sh sh chopped off and getting holes blown in their in their abdomens from virtual shotguns and stuff. And, you know, the people are perfectly safe in the meta universe. And they're going to and they're and they're going to end up justifying it by saying, "Well, you know, we all have the innate desire to wreak havoc on humanity." There you go. You can do it safely in here, and that'll protect all the people in the real world from you, you know, losing your shit and doing it for real. So do you but do you contest? We really don't know whether that's true or not. So you contest the studies that have the n numerous studies that have been done that has shown that violent video games do not affect the behavior of people. No, I don't contest them. But I think there's a difference. We can disconnect what's happening on a computer screen versus the real world. It's, it's pretty simple to disconnect those two realities. Yes, they're very distinct. Yes. But if it's being superimposed onto the real world, that makes it a little bit more difficult to separate virtual reality from reality. Now, 
the more intelligent amongst us, the more stable, psychologically stable amongst us, won't have any problem with that. You know, you'll be you'll be riding your Uber to your next job and, you know, killing all the ugly people you see along the route and having a good laugh at it before you walk into work and grab your coffee and get started with whatever you do. But the more psychologically unstable people of the world might have a little bit more difficulty separating the two. We won't know until it happens. No. No, like you that, said, the studies have been done and there were there they have there have found no correlation between violent video games and violence in real life. But when it when when it's hard to separate the two, when it's hard to distinguish between the two, when you're spending more time in one than the other, when you can't have you, one without the other. Yeah, you don't leave one. Then uh, you might be right. You might be right. Things may change. But the same are and I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just uh, I'm just and talking. I don't think I'm right. I just think it's no, a no, possibility. No, 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 right. But they said the same thing about the the uh, the level of graphics in video games. As mm -hmm. they increased, mm -hmm. that problem mm -hmm. would exist. As it becomes more realistic looking, it's going to fuck people up. And time and time again, it's proven that it, it hasn't. It didn't, yeah. So you might be right. You might be right. Um because and, and because I, there's always the outliers because these studies say that it doesn't right but of course there are people that it absolutely does right and I say that as someone who has played GTA mm -hmm. and love the game um, but I've never played it but wow I can imagine it, it is a blast wild. to play yeah I play it like to my value structure mm -hmm. I don't hit people with cars or I if I do there's guilt. Unless mm -hmm. it's part of a mission and you have to. Oh, no, I right, understand right? the it's joy. really... No, but I do my best not to harm people mm -hmm. because I feel it inside of me. But when you do play and you are really in it and you're fucking around and you leave the game, there's residual that exists in the real world. Like, you do see that you could steal that car. Right. You don't, but you could see how you could. Right. Or you could shoot that guy in the face. Like, yeah. It, yeah. like it's there. Yes. And it has surprised me a number of times how easily that happens, how you just take it with you. Now, I am not like you with self-control when it comes to video games or anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is that when I do it, I do it, and half a day is just a good start. Right to play a game. So it, it is all consuming when I do it. So when I leave, I'm still thinking about it, right? It is so, and that behavior, my behavior is more the norm. Even though those studies say that they, they don't affect violent behavior, I don't know if I fully agree with it. I think it does. I think it can, not that it does or does not, I think that it can, and I think you bring up a very interesting point, is that if you live in this world, mm -hmm. if you live in um, meta and everybody lives in meta, mm -hmm. and you're all in this universe together and none of it's real, what is real? And now it is real. Um, and you are doing violent acts, and when you're fucking... 
goggles break and you've been inside of this world for two weeks nonstop, your brain doesn't be like, okay, here we go, mm -hmm. off to co-op. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't work that way. Right. It's not a light switch. And I mean, just to give you an example, um, there was a game that I used to play years ago, not that long ago. Um, I forget which war game it was, mm -hmm. but it was World War II related, and you basically went around... Uh, Shooting Nazis? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, for the most part, you had to kind of like sneak up on them and shoot them and try not to alert the other ones that they were being killed because then they would, you know, sound the alarm. It was all about killing as many of the soldiers as possible without anybody sounding the alarm because once the alarm was sounded, you were screwed because mm -hmm. they would be aware of your existence and now they would be going out of their way to find you and the chances that you would get out of it alive were significantly reduced. Unless you were a cheat like me and put yourself in God mode. Uh, but um, <laughs> Take this, you goddamn Nazis. Yeah, exactly. You're dying no matter what, so fuck you. But um, I got a lot of uh, dopamine uh, as a result of playing that game because, you know, I was killing bad guys and not suffering any consequences of killing bad guys. And when it was over, I uh, turned it off and I went back to my normal, dull Nonviolent life because you know i am the kind of ape that can separate the two however sometimes i do lose my shit and road rage is an example of those times mm -hmm. where somebody does something incredibly stupid in front of me and i lose it most of the time i'm able to maintain my composure but every once in a while either because I've had enough or I've got pent up anger or pent up stress or just had a bad hair day or whatever the case may be, the thing that that person does triggers something and I lose my cool. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. And I've heard of people losing their cool so badly that they've actually followed the transgressor home to right. their house. Right. I've never done that. I've, you know flailed my arms with varying degrees of insultedness at the ends of my fingers <laughs> but that's as far as i've ever gone right other people have gone much farther uh, they've gone so far as to run people off the road they've gone so far as to follow people to their homes and get out of their vehicles and you know this uh, week some lady got out of a car in violence. the states and shot at a car over road rage wow two people in the car and a two-year-old in the back seat just started shooting at the car. Now, imagine that person living a double life, half in virtual and half in reality, mm -hmm. where in theory they could relieve their rage in the virtual part of their life. You know, mm -hmm. like haul out the virtual shotgun and virtually shoot the car off the road. But the minute they see on the real side that nothing actually happened, will that potentially cause them to pull out the real shotgun? Right. Because they didn't get the bloodlust satisfied from the virtual side of the equation. That's what I'm concerned about. Because and it's, it's not just, just violence, right? There's also this, the, the unspoken part, but the biggest part of the internet, and that's sex. Yes. Right? 
a meta universe is going to f- like pornography has already fucking broken everybody who's ever looked at it. Right. I am a firm believer in it. Even as someone who who has looks, partaken, partakes. <laughs> Present tense. Um, I know that it, it has broken my brain, mm-hmm. and this is going to break people even more because you won't ever leave. Quite potentially, blah blah yes. blah, and yep. that that impact in itself might even it feed into or will in some, maybe many, many, maybe few, will fuel spill into, into violence. Life. Or into violence as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's it's very interesting. Interesting times ahead for sure. Exciting. Cool. Yeah. Um, and what's what's really interesting is that as I started hearing these science fiction stories about people living their lives in virtual reality, and you know, at the time, because virtual reality was just so in so much in its infancy and had no real sophistication whatsoever i had a real difficult time imagining that any of that could possibly ever come true and now i'm slowly starting to realize that holy shit we are on the precipice of it being fully realized you know the 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 william gibson uh novels right yeah. coming true right literally coming mm-hmm. true that you know 20 years ago anyone reading it would have thought that's never going to happen in my lifetime guess again it's about to happen it's about to happen yeah people just have no idea just like they had no idea how much the iphone was going to revolutionize yeah, mobile computing f- fucking phone like what are you talking about yeah Oh, well, it changed what? the world. It does, does everything now. It changed everything. the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and that's probably the way Zuckerberg is looking at this. This is going to revolutionize how we interact with technology. With each other. With, with And with each other. The world. Yeah. It could change everything. Yeah. That, that sounds like... An old man being super hyperbolic, sitting on his porch, telling kids to get off his lawn. Like, it might change the world. But now it that might, this is being recorded and put out to the oh yeah atmosphere... If we end up dead... Look back on this. Yeah, and if we end up dead, it's... We're telling the truth. <laughs> We're on the road to, to honesty and truth. <laughs> so, there's an episode right there, I think. Yeah, I think so. Wild and Wooly. Yeah. So uh, I like the current events one. Hope you enjoyed us getting back into the world of technology, even though we did a slight detour into the environmental sustainability side. But we did that for very good reason, because it's a very important topic, and there's lots of very interesting things happening. Right? So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to episode XV of TalkBot. TalkBot! Yeah, I stopped myself from oh, me too. writing down more stories. And I'm like, well, I was going to bring up, I was going to bring up. Uh...